0: Money never sleeps, pal.
1: So, uh, morning, Gareth. It's the end of the first full week of the new year of 2024. Friday morning, 12th of January. Feels like we've been going out this a bit longer than just the first full week, but quite a few things going on in the market. And uh, just thought we'd maybe touch on a few macro factors driving financial markets and then maybe talk about a few companies. So I'd say the broad highlights from a macro perspective would be that inflation is probably proving stickier and more difficult to control than people thought. We've got rising tensions in the Middle East. Having said that, oil prices are not really spiking. They're going up a bit, but they're still, Brent's whatever it is, below $80 a barrel still. We've had a bit of a shenanigans around Bitcoin and whether Bitcoin should have an approved ETF, which it now does. It has 11 of them. Does it matter? We've had UK GDP data today, which indicates we're going to avoid a technical recession for 2023. So yet again, we get headlines that the UK economy is better than expected. Who'd have thought? And I guess the overriding question in my mind about where we are now compared with where we left off in 2023 is, What was it that spooked the Fed? It doesn't seem like it's dramatically lower inflation or the risk of significant deflation in the short term, at least. So what is it that got them so jumpy and and made the pivot that they did at the back end of last year? Uh, Do you you think
0: it's that they know something that we don't? Or do you think it's just a, a, a sort of a general perspective thing? Or do you think there's something specific that might be worrying them?
1: Well, I think there are a number of explanations. You know, the cynics out there will say Jay Powell knows it's an election, a presidential election in 2024, and he's doing his bit to uh, get Biden re-elected. I don't actually believe that, but it's tempting. But I think if they can see something we can't see, it's probably to do with the US banking system. So I think in terms of some credit event, some rerun of the regional banking crisis we had, February, March last year, you know, they, they you know, clearly the Fed has oversight of. It is the Federal Reserve of the U, U.S. banking system. It should at least know what's going on. So if it can see something we can't see, it's probably relating to the what's going on inside the banking system in the U.S. And I think there's this. Well, I don't think that we know there is this lending cliff where particularly commercial real estate loans in the U.S. need to be refinanced in some shape or form are much higher rates so uh, as we go in as we go through the current year. So yeah, that, that's what I think it might be if there is anything. And as I think we've discussed before, you know the, the markets we're entering this this year with you know, markets pricing in significant cuts to interest rates and thinking it's good news. But history tells you that if you get a period of sharply declining interest rates, that's usually accompanied with something else that's gone wrong. So without wanting to pour too much cold water on the sort of market euphoria of recent weeks, one has to be mindful that things can and do go wrong.
0: Yeah, in order to justify those lower rates, there probably needs to be some pain, at least in parts of the economy. I think that's probably right. But that's uh, is a good way to move on to talking about the, the UK market and some of, the, sort of the, the company news that we've had. It feels like Christmas has generally been OK.
1: Yeah, looks like it. We've had trading updates from a number of food retailers. Interesting that probably the clearest retail winner in the UK, particularly the, well, the larger names, has been Marks and & Spencer and had what appeared to be perfectly good update of the Christmas trading, both in food and in clothing. But the share price went down. So, you know, obviously indicative that the market is in a much more bullish frame of mind and expectations have been set for a broadish recovery in the current period, which is in marked contrast to where we were this time last year.
0: Yeah. And as you say, it's it's, it's also in contrast to what the the bond markets are thinking might might be happening in terms of expecting lower interest rates because of ongoing pressure. So uh, if maybe the equity markets are being a little bit optimistic about things.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all think that lower inflation is a good thing, but deflation is probably, you know, in an indebted economy, deflation is a bigger risk than a inflation. Yeah. So um, I thought it was very interesting what the guys at Ruffer have been saying in the last few days. They've been reminding people that although we're all expecting and discounting lower rates. They haven't happened yet. And the only organization, the only institution that can seem to be quite happy with, say, 5% or 5.5% interest rates are a government organization. Uh, everyone else seems to struggle at that level. So the longer we're at this level, the more painful it might become. So, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: No, that's true. Although some signs of light from the, the UK house builders and, and other <clears throat> trading updates have been gen- generally at least in line with what people were saying towards the back end of last year. Yes.
1: Of the larger ones, Persimmon and Vistri have both indicated improved reservations year on year and that the cost of building a house is continuing to moderate. So having had an awful 12 months, the UK housing market has not collapsed, which um, I know Alastair Stewart has been writing about in his work saying that you know for over a year now that he didn't yeah. think the thesis that uh, housing the UK housing market was about to collapse and so far so good and with a highly competitive mortgage market I mean, mortgage rates have been have gone down you know although you know, they're not waiting for policy rates they're already moving uh, mortgage rates down because long term interest rates have gone down so um, if you're a first-time buyer and you've still got a job, you know, real wages are going up because inflation's coming down and wage settlements are running at a higher level than, infl- than retail inflation at the moment. For, for house builders, things are better. You know, having said that, housing transactions are still very low. So the, I think the thing one needs to be mindful of is w- at what point do housing transactions pick up? So people have not been moving house in the last 12 months and they haven't done so to date. We're still running along the bottom and that's impacted. We had a profits warning from a little company I follow called Mark's Electrical, which is an upmarket competitor to AO world, delivers household goods. I've interviewed Mark Smithson, who's the founder and chief executive of Mark's Electrical. He's a real raw entrepreneur and someone you just want to back. But uh, he had to warn that while revenue was in line with where they guided the cost of delivery, the cost of running the business at such high service levels. I mean, this is an industry where you can, you know, if your dishwasher breaks down, they'll deliver and install one the following day anywhere in the country. So this is not an easy business to manage. The logistics are very challenging. But the reality is he's taking market share, he's growing his top line, but his profits have been substantially impacted by inability to contain costs and gross margins. So
0: yeah but as you say I mean if, if the, the volumes of housing transactions start to increase that's when people buy white goods so hopefully that might be a yeah. you know, medium term recovery play for them
1: yeah um, I don't own any shares I don't really feel I got skin in the game on this one other than having got to know Mark quite well and admiring how he runs his business but yeah it's definitely gone up in my estimation the way he wrote that update and they would be a beneficiary as other retailers would be particularly of particular household products you know if transactions start to pick up during the yeah. year so it's definitely something I've been keeping an eye on.
0: Sounds good. And then more broadly, I guess, looking at other sectors, Susanda with their foray into the physical store market, they've struggled a bit with there, but still more to go from that one over time with a a reasonable update just this week.
1: Yeah. Julie and Ali, who are the co-CEOs of Susanda, were the people who I interviewed them on a podcast about 18 months or so ago, and they completely changed my mind on whether joint CEOs ever work in a business, because it might be a one-off, but in their case, it definitely does. And these are not people to underestimate, in my opinion. But again, like with Mark Smithson, they've chosen to operate in what is a very challenging business. I mean, you don't, I think most people will be aware of the fact that online clothing retail has been a a bit of a nightmare or more uh, since, since the end of lockdown. People like Assos and Boohoo really struggled. And so Sanders target market is slightly older demographic it's female fashion but the shares were hit quite sharply uh, during the course of 2023 not because of a slowdown in the business but because of uh, the market got spooked there at the by Julian ambitious plans and those included opening stores in the UK for the first time and expanding more expanding overseas so these these ladies are not happy just to be a small niche player in the UK they make it quite clear when you talk to them they want to be a recognized household name they want to be a 100 plus million revenue business with 10% operating margins and to do that they feel very strongly and I wouldn't be prepared to bet against them that they need to be more multi-channel and uh keeping an eye on it but tough business you know you've got to move a lot of product at quite low margin and you've got to avoid returns which they seem to be doing successfully yeah but there's a lot of moving parts there in what is still quite a small business
0: yeah going okay at the moment so uh, yeah yeah and I suppose the only other couple of stocks that I had in mind um, one was Tsar a company that we know pretty well yeah they've said that the the end of calendar 2023 was in line with their expectations they set back in only in November but at least they ended the year as planned and slightly ahead in terms of cash and, and there's there's no change to their outlook for 2024. Yeah, I and think
1: that's an interesting one I think isn't it because you know better than I but I think China's quite an important market for them.
0: It is and we talked the other day about the possibility of sort of a China recovery and, and what that yeah. might mean for commodity prices or inflation or just general sort of global demand. Um, but yes, certainly Tsar had hoped to see a China recovery in 2023, didn't really come through and that, mm-hmm. that hurt them. But but there there are some signs that could start to show through in 2024. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think more, more broadly, I think what we've seen generally this week is a lot, a lot of companies saying that things haven't dramatically worsened over the last few weeks or through, through the sort of the, the year-end trading period or Christmas for the retailers and people for which Christmas is a is an important season, has gone not too badly. So um feels like a at least a reasonable start to twenty twenty four, albeit with the caveats that as you mentioned, with you know the the things that people like Ruff are highlighting that there there, there is clearly risk to this sort of rose tinted view that we'll have lower interest rates, but nothing else to worry about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get come across all too bearish because, I mean, if you cast your mind back a year ago and I'd said to you, well, 2023, we're going to have a U.S. banking crisis and 5.5% interest rates, where do you think the equity market would end up overall, global equity markets? I think yeah. 90, 90% of people would say, well, down. Yeah. the Markets can be very resilient.
0: Okay, that's great. I think that's a, it's a great place to end. And hopefully we'll get uh, get more, at least not, not bad news, but more potentially good news as more companies report or give us trading updates as we go further into January and, and then into the, the rest of Q1.
1: Okay, one last question. Now there are Bitcoin ETFs, so you, you'll be able to um, allocate uh, the Evans portfolio towards, um, towards Bitcoin, no doubt.
0: Yeah, someone I follow on LinkedIn pointed out the fact that the U.S. regulator had prevented people from investing way, way earlier in the uh, the extraordinary <laughs> the extraordinary upside that, that Bitcoin has seen so far, and and yeah, the uh, the cynical yeah,
1: Oh, how grateful we should be for the yeah. SEC to save <laughs> us from investing in Bitcoin in 2013 yes. when the ETFs were first proposed, <laughs> yeah. as the uh, Bitcoin's only gone up 90-fold since then. Yes.
0: Yeah, they uh, saved me from investing at that yes. point, so well, I'm, I'm not so sure. Now, I- I- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. now I'm, I'm still not quite sure today's the right time to wade in, but no, certainly watching it with interest, and, and it's it's becoming I- definitely more mainstream.
1: Yeah, you could argue this is the top, I guess, on that basis. But yeah. I think the SEC have done what they've done through gritted teeth. And I think they made that quite clear. But I think it's fascinating. Still rather peripheral, but um, let's see. Yeah, we'll
0: see what happens. Okay. All right. Thanks, much. Good right. to chat. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Brought to you by Progressive Equity. I'm <laughs>